Hi, everyone. Welcome to the May Exchange SA chat. My name is Yusra, and I am your Student Assembly Director of Communications. If you're not familiar with Exchange Chats, these are one-hour-long Facebook Live interviews that I host every month with a different guest on a topic of our mutual interest. Tonight, we're talking all things social media. Speaking of, this is a great time to drop your name, your year, your program, and any questions you have for us about social media down into the comments below. And if you're a recent grad like I am, let everyone know that too, and congratulations again to my fellow class of 2020 members. Before we jump into tonight's conversation, I have just a few quick announcements. Applications for the Student Assembly Board of Directors will be opening at the end of this month on May 26th. The Board of Directors includes my position, Director of Communications, and eight other open positions. If you have any interest at all or would like to learn more, please reach out to Jake Racker, your nominating committee chair, or you can also reach out to your NOMCOM chair-elect and your NOMCOM member, Gus and Caitlin. House of Delegates is coming up June 1st through June 3rd and will be streamed virtually for everyone to watch. In preparation, your Student Assembly House of Delegates representatives, including SPT Delegate Mitch Lane, would like to hear from you. There's an SPT network and an SPTA network for House of Delegates online on APTA Engage at engage.apta.org. The Student PTA Network is new this year and will feature a one-hour meetup prior to the House to learn about all events that are available to PTAs, how House of Delegates works and the PTA role in the House, and will even feature what's called a virtual gallery for PTA students to communicate with each other during the House. And finally, the APTA Pulse Blog is always looking for new posts. To submit your draft or post idea, please email pulse at APTA.org. Now, I am so excited to welcome my guest for the evening, Dr. Karen Litsey. Dr. Karen Litsey is a licensed physical therapist, international speaker, owner of Karen Litsey Physical Therapy, host of the podcast Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, and creator of the Women in Physical Therapy Summit. She's been a keynote and featured speaker at national and international events, presenting on a variety of topics, including her personal journey with chronic pain, the neuroscience of pain, utilizing social media as a medical professional, and technology and informatics in healthcare. Karen has been featured in magazines, podcasts, and websites like Redbook, Women's Running, Martha Stewart Living, Thrive Global, Family Circle, Time, Consumer Reports, Entrepreneur on Fire, Hack the Entrepreneur, and the Healing Pain Podcast. She currently resides in New York City. Karen, that is quite the resume. Thank you for being here with us. Thanks for having me, and congratulations to you and to all of the 2020 graduates. So exciting. Oh, thank you. I'm still getting used to not calling myself a student. I think I want to be a student forever. <laughs> but I'm so excited. For the sake of efficiency, we are going to go ahead and throw out this disclaimer. We'll assume that every question I ask would be prefaced with, in your opinion, um, and is being asked about the PT and PTA student experience specifically. Everyone's going to have their own take and way of operating on social media. So we'll go ahead and assume that anything that's mentioned here tonight represents only your opinion and mine based on our experiences and respective worldviews. All right, so I gave that little introduction about you, but is there anything that I left out, anything that you'd like our viewers to know tonight before we get started? Um, I mean, I think that was a pretty good introduction. Uh, yeah, I have a practice here in New York City. It's a concierge kind of cash-based practice, and I see patients in their homes or their offices or their gyms. Uh, so right now during this pandemic, as we are speaking now, um, I have shifted the majority of my patients over to telehealth, um, but I'm definitely looking forward to getting back into the regular swing of things here in New York City, 
probably going to be a little later than other parts of the country, but you know, it, now I think is a time that physical therapy can, has to be nimble and dynamic and really show our value and our worth to our communities at large. And I am really looking forward to all of you new graduates uh, as you start to come in and, and flood the marketplace and flood all of our physical therapy clinics to bring some innovation and, and um, new ideas to kind of help us move through this pandemic and treat probably an onslaught of patients recovering, so. Sure, absolutely. So in terms of showing our value, I think a lot of people could argue that one way to do that would be through social media. So could you give guests a little bit of context of why we're interviewing you today, what, back, what your background is on social media and what platforms you are on? Sure, so gosh, I mean, I've been using social media for a long time. And I am on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. Don't forget about LinkedIn. It's one of those kind of often overlooked platforms. But for new students, you should all be on LinkedIn um, because that is a way for you to interact on a more professional level with uh, future mentors or employers. So definitely be on. Don't forget about LinkedIn. The other ones are fun, but don't forget about LinkedIn. So um, I have been on social media and been very prominent on social media, probably started on Twitter, um, where as if any of the students on the uh, watching this right now know, Twitter is a hotbed of physical therapy activity. And um, I think because of the podcast that I host, uh, it's given me a lot of visibility and I've been able to reach out to a lot of different people on Twitter to have them be guests on my podcast. And mm -hmm. because of my outreach to uh, certain people on Twitter, uh, that has really accelerated my social media presence. And when I, another thing that has really helped me has been going to conferences and live tweeting those conferences. So I am really, got really fast thumbs, I guess. Um, and so I would live tweet these <laughs> conferences and people would just see the sheer amount of tweets coming out. So then in one conference, you'd get like, I'd get 600 new followers after tweeting one conference, but oh my goodness, the organizers of those conferences took note. And because right. of that, um, it had put me, it had positioned me in a way for me to meet even more people. And so right. because of that, I have gone to, you know, the International Olympic Committee's injury prevention conference in Monaco and was part of their social media team. I'm part of the social wow. media team in Copenhagen next year for the fourth uh, sports physical therapy world conference because I live tweet at different events and I just show mm -hmm. my value through doing that and just and do it for like I, I would go to conferences. It's not like I'm getting paid to do it. But now that mm -hmm. once people see your value and what your impressions are and how many people are looking at your tweets, then they want you to kind of come on board and help to coordinate. Um, but it, it just takes time. Sure, absolutely. So when you were live tweeting at these conferences, were you just doing that as an individual? You said you weren't getting paid, so that wasn't on behalf of any company or any organization, correct? You nope. just were really excited about what you were hearing? I was just really excited about what I was hearing. And I was like, well, I know I'm here. And I'm sure a lot of other people right. wish they could be here, but they can't. And so I would mm -hmm. just live tweet, you know, and 
it's, I think when you're, when you think about when you go onto social media, um, the thing that really helped me is I knew why I was on social media. So I think as a student or as a new grad, really think about why are you there? My why Mm -hmm. of why I was on social media was because I wanted to network. I wanted to meet more people, right? So Mm -hmm. that's why I went on to social media. And, you know, of course, disseminating good content, right? If you're on there to disseminate your research or your work, that's your why. If you're on there to make connections, to maybe find a mentor or a job, that's your why. So really Mm -hmm. sit down. And I would say this to all students and new grads, sit down and really get very, very clear as to why you're on social media, right? Or maybe you're on there just to have fun and that's fine too, right? It doesn't, it, you don't have to be on there for like a specific career driven path, but make sure you know your why. So for me, right. My why was to meet people and to get to know people because I wanted them to come onto my podcast and be a guest. So there was one mm-hmm. person in particular, Dr. Karam Khan, who is the mm-hmm. editor of the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And so I started following BJSM and retweeting them and retweeting them and, you know, until they started following me back. And then I like stalked him for like four months. Hey, how would you yeah. like to be on my podcast? Oh, I love this. Hey, did you check out this? Oh, I really love this article and really tried to right. get to know him. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally he said, well, are you going to be at CSM in, this was many years ago in San Diego. And I said, yes. And he said, great, we'll do the interview there. So I got to interview mm-hmm. him, Jill Cook. And then after that interview, because of we really did build a relationship on social media, then he mm-hmm. introduced me to this whole international community of sports physical therapists. And it has led to me being part of editorials, future research, um, right. interviewing really interesting people, and yes, speaking around the world from Monaco to Sri Lanka to Amsterdam. I mean... It's, it's been um, a direction that I never, when I was a student and a new grad, if you asked me what direction my career would go in, I would have never guessed this, but that's what social media has been able to do for me. Well, and that was something I wanted to ask you too, was were you aware that social media was such a big uh, like self-promotion and marketing and networking tool when you were in PT school or when you were a pre-PT student, or was this like a post-grad type thing? Okay. Okay. <laughs> now- you do know how old I am, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't even a thing when I graduated. It wasn't a thing. It didn't exist. Or if it did, it was like minuscule, right? So mm-hmm. um, so the answer to that question is no. Now, I think, okay. <laughs> God, no, it wasn't even a thing. Didn't exist, but I do appreciate the question. Um <laughs> But I think now that you guys know you have this tool at your disposal, it comes down to why are you using it and how are you going to use it? And so that and only you as an individual can kind of answer those questions, right? But if if you can hammer out why you want to use it, right? Is it for, uh, I think physical therapists are bread and butter, on social media is disseminating good evidence-based content. We should be living mm-hmm. in that space. 
it should be, it should not be owned by when it comes to musculoskeletal health, physical therapists mm-hmm. should own that space on social media. And okay. oftentimes people say, well, I'm not a researcher. So what am I going to say? Or right. I don't know how to, you don't have to, you could read an article and put that article out there and put a, a summary of why you liked it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and really try and communicate that in the language of the average person. I mean, if when you right. look across at people who are very, very successful on social media, it's because mm-hmm. they can sort of walk that line of they can still be professional with their professional colleagues and sort of speak mm-hmm. the jargon, but then they can take that and simplify it, not dumb it down, but simplify it for the average person. And those are the people who are really right. successful because you know who you're talking to. Right, right. So there's a lot there that I want to get more into. I also want to take a quick second to backtrack to um, when you were talking about how you went to conferences and you took the initiative to live tweet everything and then people reached out to you and you reached out to them. And it takes, like you said, it takes time and a lot of things kind of snowballed for you. So I think it's an important point, not to be too cliche, but to, to say that, you know, you don't need a formal leadership position to use social media right. Um, and it's involvement that then begets involvement. So I get asked a lot too about how did you get so involved in APTA or um, how can I do so and how can I make myself known? And I think it's one of those things that like the more you put in, the more you kind of get out. And I think that you are sort of the perfect form of evidence for that. Um, But like I said, there's a lot there that you said that I want to get way deeper into. So um, one thing that I'm interested in is I am on social media a lot, and I do see a lot of uh, physical therapy-related research and information that gets put out. And when you and I talked prior, we talked about the issue of misinformation and disinformation. So could you um, define those terms for us and then maybe talk a little bit more about how do we actually get to what is uh, neither of those things, you know, what's not misinformation or disinformation, and how do we disseminate information in a way that then patients know they're getting the best research. Great. All right. So first let's define misinformation and disinformation. So misinformation is when you uh, you saw something on social media and let's say, we'll say it could be Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and you shared it and you read the headline and maybe you read a little bit of the article, not the whole thing, didn't really read the research behind it, but you decided to share mm-hmm. it because you truly thought that you were sharing good information, but that information turned out to be false. So that would be misinformation, meaning you're putting information out there with best intentions. You think it's good, but it's not. Okay. Disinformation is when you know you're spreading falsehoods. You know you're spreading something that is outrageous and not evidence-based, but you're still putting it out there. So disinformation is propaganda right? You know, it's a lie. It's sensationalized. You're putting it out there. Propaganda. So Mm -hmm. this uh, disinformation is propaganda. We really want to stay far away from that. Misinformation, we've all been guilty of putting stuff out there. And then you're like, oh man, why did I, oh boy, I should have really maybe dug a little bit more into that. So how do you avoid the misinformation is read beyond the headline, I know it's tempting mm-hmm. to just kind of throw stuff out there without reading the <laughs> full article, but read, right. the, read beyond the headline. That's the easiest, number one, easiest way. Number two, read the okay. article. Like, let's say it's an article 
in a publication like the New York Times or um, the Wall Street Journal. And you're like, oh, well, reputable, you know, publications. So they wouldn't Mm -hmm. put it out there if it wasn't. Well, even they can put out some misinformation. So read the whole article because sometimes they'll say, oh, I, you know, this was, this study came out that shows that chocolate cures everything. You know how you always see like chocolate's (laughs) good, chocolate's bad. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So if you can get your hands on that study, read the study, right? Mm -hmm. Use your tools that you've learned as a physical therapy student on how to actively critique an article. And then you can read through and be like, wait a second, there are only 10 people in this study. Well, that's not very high power. Or wait a second, it was in a journal that I never even heard of. This isn't a good journal. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you're getting cracks and fissures into this story. And then once you put it out there, you're like, ooh, whoopsies. Yeah. So, you know, you want to, one, at least read that past the headline, two, read the full article, three, if it's a study within an article, try and find that study and read it before you put it out there. And that's a good way to ensure that you're not putting out, you know, misinformation. Listen, we've all done it. I've done it. And so you can delete it or you can put underneath, whoopsies, my bad. This is is wrong because maybe at least own it. Right. Do you feel like disinformation is pretty obvious when it comes up or do you find, okay. I don't think so. I mean, and plus oftentimes the disinformation or propaganda is the stuff that's very sensationalized. So it may get you a lot of likes and retweets or a lot Mm, of likes on, you know, uh, on Instagram, if it's flashy, it doesn't mean it's right. Right. You know, I read a, a post on Instagram. It was like, Sleeping in the fetal position can cause you herniated discs. I mean, okay. come on, it's crazy, right? But it had 10,000 likes. It had people, regular folks, not physical therapists, the regular public, oh my God, this is how I sleep. How should I sleep now? So, so you're just, that's propaganda. It's stoking fear, but it gets you a lot of likes and retweets. So that's kind of right. the, again, walking that fine line. I'd rather have, no one like my post and be it a post that I can stand by because it's aligns with my value sure. and my why versus just putting something right. out there to get more followers. Sure. So in terms of being the person putting things out on social media, the takeaway is, you know, stay true to what you know is, is right. And also maybe be forgiving of yourself too, but own up to your mistakes. If you do end up putting out some misinformation in terms of consuming that content, you know, not being so paranoid that everyone is, sensationalizing everything, but maybe um, just being wary and doing your own research too into the research that's posted. Yeah, just, just so, do your due diligence. Right, right. So in speaking about putting out content for patients, um, in an interview you did for Covalent Careers, you stated 100% of people at some point in their life can use physical therapy. Um, and then you went on to talk about how it's a way smaller percentage of people who actually do utilize physical therapy services in their lives. So how do you feel like your social media presence or just physical therapy, social media presence overall has allowed us to be advocates for the profession. Oh my gosh, in so many ways. Uh, so when you're, when we talk about how social, how being an advocate on social media, and again, that goes back to your why. I know a lot of people who use social media just for advocacy, and it's amazing, right? They can advocate for all sorts mm-hmm. of things. Um, but I think social media has helped to... Uh, at least let people know that physical therapy exists because 
Mm -hmm. way long time ago when there used to not be direct access, the only way you got to physical therapy was through physician referral. So a lot of people right. didn't even know about physical, they didn't even know it existed unless mm -hmm. someone you knew, a friend or a family member had gone to physical therapy. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think that we're slowly kind of climbing up the mountain of, uh, of awareness when it comes to mm -hmm. Uh, what we can do as physical therapists. And I think that comes from people uh, showing videos of what like different exercises or movements or evaluative procedures. I think that's great. I think it's when you see like I've seen people on Twitter post things like, oh, you know, couldn't get out of bed because of my back or blah, blah. And then even though you don't know them, respond to them. Be like, oh my gosh, okay. I thought about going to see a physical therapist. These are some reasons mm -hmm. why we might be able to help. Right. Right. So it's just, uh, or in, if you're in Facebook groups, there's a lot of different Facebook groups out there that um, might be Facebook for like neck pain, back pain. You can join those groups. And mm -hmm. you can, what's really good is you, you are learning the language of the patient. So then when you go on to your social media, you take their language and you use it on your social media. So that people are like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I do know what that's like. You know, like, oh, right, put right. a jacket on. Yeah, I can't put a jacket on because it really hurts my shoulder. Right. Versus saying, do you have pain at 90 degrees of shoulder abduction? Like, no one knows what that means. Right, right. <laughs> Boy, do you have a hard time sitting through a movie because of back pain? Yeah, I actually do. So I think you're seeing more and more physical therapists speaking the language of the patient. And I think that's gonna, That's a big key in, in getting physical therapy more visible. And I've also found mm -hmm. that journalists, and I just said this the other night to a group of physical therapists, that a lot of journalists are reaching out to the APTA and reaching out to physical therapists when they want quotes in their articles. And not just about injury, but about fitness. Mm -hmm. So once you see those journalists reaching out, that's a great sign. Because they used right. to reach out to personal trainers, yoga, Pilates, and now they're like, oh, I think I want to reach out to a physical therapist. So I think the more mm -hmm. that people, that physical therapists sort of flood the social media airwaves with good, um, positive posts, speaking the language of the patient and really being able to break down complex ideas into simple things, that's when mm -hmm. you're going to see more and more um, physical therapists being in the forefront of things like fitness, of things like prevention, so that we're not just, right. you get injured, you see a PT. And I do think that right. recovery from COVID, a lot of these patients coming out of hospital, or even those that didn't get to the hospital, but are still having a lot of physical issues and musculoskeletal issues, physical therapists mm -hmm. are going to be there to kind of help pick them up and get them back into, into their life. So I really see mm -hmm. us as being a huge, huge force moving forward. Mm -hmm. And with the phenomenon of like uh, journalists reaching out and things like that, I'm sure that's really exciting proof too, that we're getting beyond um, what people sometimes refer to as like an echo chamber and sometimes us just kind of communicating within our own PT world. And so knowing that it's getting outside of ourselves as well, so that uh, people who, who need the help are, are finding that as well. Yeah, um, I absolutely. want... Yeah, I want to go back real quick. Um, there were two questions that were asked in the Facebook comments that I want to apologize for missing. Um, one was about actually uh, your experience with live tweeting at conferences. 
mm -hmm. um, and how that was a way that you uh, engaged with the, the content and the experience, but also other people were then able to engage with you. Um, Kayla Harris asks, how do you manage that live tweeting and still being present at conferences? Because I know as director of communications, I've fallen uh, into that trap as well, where I get so focused on the social media aspect that I might miss someone who's physically standing right in front of me. So when it comes to live tweeting, you know, I'm kind of in mm. the audience and what, believe it or not, I am tweet live tweeting at, over here. And then I have a notebook and a pen over here. So I am mm -hmm. actually taking notes mm -hmm. while I'm live tweeting, taking pictures, a quick video, live tweeting, taking notes. So it is a lot of multitasking and there are definitely things that I miss. There's no question. Okay. Like I may miss like a crucial moment or something. And then you know what I do? I just lean over to the person next to me. I say, what did they just say? <laughs> and then they tell you. Networking. Yeah. <laughs> and then they tell you what they said. Um, or oftentimes if it's, sometimes if it's like a really good session, I'll just take a mm -hmm. ton of notes on pen and paper or I, mm -hmm. I, I don't type very quickly. So um, okay. you can also type if you're a good typer. Um, mm -hmm. And then in the break, I'll just take all, or I'll, maybe I'll just take some pictures of slides. And then after mm -hmm. the, if it's an hour talk, usually you have like 15 minute break, then I'll just load it up and put right. it all up. So you can be okay. present. You can take your notes, take your pictures, and then in a break, just load it up and put it all up. So mm -hmm. that's another way to get around. So you're still live tweeting. You're just live tweeting on a little bit of a delay. Sure. Okay, perfect. And uh, a question um, that Bridget asked that I wonder about too, just as someone who uh, has her own like personal blog, um, she asked if you do accidentally post information uh, that's misinformation, do you suggest just deleting the post altogether, pretending like it never happened? Or do you think it's better to acknowledge it with the understanding that this might have been someone that already saw it? Well, I think you can probably like if would I, because I've put stuff up there, if I was like live tweeting at an event and I put stuff up there, I'm like, oh, wait a second, I don't think that's what they meant. If, if I mm -hmm. catch it right away, I'll just delete it really quick. Um, okay. If someone has already commented on it or liked it or something like that, then I'll put and I'll be like, oh, mm -hmm. my bad. This is what they meant. Let me correct that. Because mm. oftentimes it. when you're live tweeting, you're giving an interpretation, your interpretation of what that person is saying as best mm -hmm. you can. Um, because we don't have, I mean, unless you've got a really, really good, like ear to, to thumb ability, um, most mm -hmm. of the time we are kind of paraphrasing. And so I have definitely paraphrased people incorrectly. Um, and okay. I'm like, Ooh, okay. My bad. All right. I think they met this. And so let's say I'm at a conference and I think I did this like to Tim Gabbett, who is, um, he's a sports scientist out of Australia. So I'm like live tweeting mm -hmm. him. And, and then I think I said something wrong. So I just tagged him like, Oh, Hey Tim, I think I totally screwed this up. Can you give a better explanation? And he's like, sure. Yeah. So if oh, you're I love live that. tweeting someone, if like I'm live tweeting you and I feel like I misrepresented, I, you could just say, Hey, I think I got this wrong. Could you correct it? And then you right. would go on and be and like, I'd love to. And then you correct it. And that helped that. So for example, if you were live tweeting me, that would help me then too, to see that you had good intentions all along. You weren't intentionally trying to 
to twist my words or anything like that, you may have just made a mistake. Exactly. Yeah. So you um, can, if it's, if it's really quick, like I've done things where I've looked down or, you know, sometimes autocorrect makes some weird, weird words. So I look right. down and like, yeek, delete. <laughs> so if it's, if I know I have, right away, it's a quick delete. If it's been liked or retweeted or commented on, and I still feel like I'm not explaining myself correctly, then I just bring in the mm-hmm. original the person who is doing the presentation. And for the most part, they're more than happy to correct. Right. Autocorrect is um, my best and worst friend. I have spelled my own name wrong because of autocorrect before. And I'm such a proponent of like spelling people's names right and pronunciation right and stuff. And then my own phone uh, works against me sometimes. But that's that's really great to know. Um, So question for you then about your why and understanding your why and then going on to engage in social media in general whether it's at a conference whether it's from home or wherever um do you feel like it's necessary for students to have both a personal account and a professional social media account do you think they can be blended or do you feel like um students need to worry about people like going backwards in their social media history at all um I guess it depends what you put on your social media in the past. Um, I mean, I think that if you want, you can have two separate accounts. Like it, let's say on Facebook, you can have a professional page and then your personal page, your personal page is set to Mm -hmm. private. That's for your family, your friends, where you post pictures of your kids and your dogs and things like that, or your cats. And then um, your professional page can be just that, you know, it's all related on your professional life, but you also want to continue to have your personality flow through both. So even though it's your professional page, you don't want to be so buttoned up and professional unless that's your, unless that's who you are, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. Right. But allow your humor, allow a goofy side to come in, just be authentic regardless of whether it's your professional or your or or a private or a personal account it's also a I was watching <laughs> right right absolutely and i was watching an interview with um a very prominent social media personality uh Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary yeah. V um and he was talking about how he almost feels like uh having that per- that personal versus professional account um, can, like you said, end up working not against the student, but um, might make a student come off as a little bit more stiff and like they, their personality isn't coming through. So um, I was going to ask you what you thought about that, but I guess, you know, would you agree that it just really depends and you should try to just maintain like a good balance within your yeah, I think professional really, presence? Yeah, I think it really depends. You know, I think you want to be, you still want to be you on social media, Mm -hmm. right? So I think if you meet someone in social, uh, let's say you, you know this person's social media persona and you meet them in person, it shouldn't be like, Mm -hmm. whoa, ooh, this is very weird. Like you are completely different than what you are. Like you wanna be authentic, you wanna be yourself. Um, And again, I think it just depends from a professional page and a personal page. I mean, I don't know. I guess the question is, it depends on how much time you want to spend, right? Um, mm-hmm. And do you want to keep some things closer to closer to your personal, to your person, you know? So for that personal right. page, like maybe you don't want everyone to see pictures of your children or your parents or your family or your significant other, you know? In right. which case, make it private. And then for your 
professional page, you can still throw a couple of personal pictures into it, but maybe you just don't want everyone to know your business. Like not everyone has to be all up in your business all the time. Right. You know what I right. mean? So, yeah, absolutely. So if someone does have um, a social media presence or page that they want their employers to know about, for example, um, or they want their faculty to see, like if they have a blog or podcast, is that appropriate to include on LinkedIn, on a resume, on a CV? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely on a resume or CV, especially if you're going for a job, because you're showing that you have a skill that can be transferable into a physical therapy clinic or hospital, right? So if you have mm -hmm. a great blog or a podcast or you've got all these followers on social media, I mean, that's great because then you can be a real asset. And that could be for all of the new grads out there. If you've got that, that could be a nice negotiation point for your salary. Okay. Right? Gotcha. Like you can, you can go in and say, hey, um, I noticed that I, your social media presence is is not maybe what it should be. I don't know. You could probably come up with something better than that. But, you know, you could say like, uh -huh. hey, I have this blog and I'm really prolific on social media and I can help. Mm -hmm. You know, what can I do to help that? And so that can right. be a way that you can maybe negotiate. And it may not be negotiate a higher salary. Maybe it's negotiate more vacation time or more continuing education time or, you know, something like that. But it can be a negotiation point that you can use. So I would absolutely include that if it's something you're proud of and it's related to the industry in some way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Perfect. That's really good to know. So on the opposite side of that, I guess, what are some common social media pitfalls that you've seen students fall into when it comes to social media presence? Well, I think it's, it could be, um, I don't want to say complaining, but because that's not the right word, I would say kind of probably falling into the, the misinformation gap a little bit too much. Um, okay. That's one. Um, you know, people get on social media for a lot of different reasons. And sometimes people mm -hmm. are on there to like bitch and moan or to uh, sell stuff or to attack others. Um, and so right. I would just be very wary about when you're retweeting what some of those people are putting out there. You know, I've had mm -hmm. <clears throat> new graduates uh, sort of jump on the bandwagon from things that they really didn't know what they were talking about and kind of Mm -hmm. disparaging people who are very, very high up in the physical therapy world. And so I sent a direct message. I said, listen, um, you might want to think about deleting that tweet because the person that you're talking about happens to be, you know, a very prominent figure. And so you just want mm -hmm. to just be careful. It's not saying like delete it or else, but it just, it can reflect poorly on you. So I would just be Worry about what you're retweeting or getting caught up in um, mm -hmm. uh, someone else's momentum. Sure, that's great advice. So, uh, between you know your podcast and your social media accounts, you cover a really wide range of topics. So, um, going from like the p perfect recipe for a banana ice cream oh, to U.S. politics. I I screenshotted it and I need to try it. I'll let you know once Ramadan is over so um, and I try it out. <laughs> <laughs> so. In terms of this this wide range, is there any topic that should be off limits on social media or is it more about the approach? 
I think it's more about the approach. You know, I think if you're approaching okay. things, um, if you're advocating for things, then you can approach mm -hmm. it from that. Like, yeah, I put a lot on there for CMS because they, to approve Medicare as, uh, so that Medicare would approve telehealth for physical therapists, speech therapists, and occupational mm -hmm. therapists. Um, and that's a very politically charged issue, but it was the right thing to mm -hmm. do, you know? So I really believed that Medicare and CMS needed to do this. So if I can retweet or tweet, tweet at the director, tweet at the administration, then yeah, that's, what, mm -hmm. that's what's going to happen, you know? So I think if, mm -hmm. it's, if it's part of something that can help advance the profession or something that I really believe mm -hmm. in, then yeah, absolutely. Right. It's just all, um, in, it's all in the way you do it. Right, sure. Um, all right, so in terms of the way you conduct yourself on social media and kind of having those guidelines for yourself, I know that there's some um, almost like unofficial and some official rules about social media. So, for example, there's some program faculty that won't um, add students on social media until after they've graduated. Um, some students may uh, ask their clinical instructors not to um, do their social media pages until they're done being their students. So are there any other social media rules you think students should consider adopting for themselves for responsible social media practice? Yes, I think that, well, first of all, the APTA does have social media standards. So if you, okay. I mean, the best way to do that is just to Google APTA social media standards and it mm -hmm. will come up. It's standards of conduct and the use of social media from the House of Delegates, P06-12-17-16. Mm -hmm. And it's their position statement on social media. So you can look at that. Um, if you have, and I did not memorize that. I have it to the side here. Um, I was going to say, I would give you $5 if you could say that five times really. Can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it. Um, uh, I would also check with, so if you're uh, a new employee, whether it's a large hospital system, a teaching hospital, a large clinic, a small clinic, um, a home health agency, definitely ask, hey, do you have social media standards? What are things that um, are acceptable or would be uh, not acceptable? So um, mm -hmm. I think those are two great places to start. So reading the APTA and then asking whoever your employer is, hey, do you have any standards of social media that I need to be aware of so that you don't make like, you know, a little mistake or a big mistake that can cost you. And then the rule that I try and follow is the, the try not to be a jerk rule. <laughs> you know, just don't be a jerk. And right. you'll probably... Uh you'll probably be okay. I think that's essentially what a lot of codes of standards of conduct and things like that when it comes to social media is, you know, just don't, don't be a jerk. Don't and be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. And then I saw a great um, uh, tip on Twitter the other day from Dr. Jasmine mm -hmm. uh, Marcellin. So she's at mm -hmm. Dr. J.R. Marcellin. She is a, a MD. And she had, this mm -hmm. was, it was a great thread. So if people want to try and find her and look up this thread, I think I also retweeted it. But um, she said she has her tips for successful social media advocacy. And they were, they were great. It was be authentic, stay positive, stay connected, advocate for yourself. And I'll explain that in a second. Focus on your mission, okay. so what your why is, advance science, and support others. 
Great. I love that. I was like, oh, that's great. That's a great <laughs> tips. And when she's means advocate for yourself, like if you have a win, put it up on social media. Like you just mm -hmm. graduated, put it up on social media. You passed your boards, put it up on social media. You got a job. Mm -hmm. Advocate for yourself. People will want to see that. Um, and I really um, implore the the, the women who are watching this, advocate for yourselves because so often I'm the first one to admit, I, I didn't do it as much as I probably should have until the past couple of years. So I thought, oh, it's being so like, I'm such a braggart, but it's not. You're mm -hmm. proud of what you've done. And if you're proud of it, then share it with others because it's your responsibility to share your good work. Right. Well, and I wanted to ask you about that, too, because um, in the Covalent Careers interview that I referenced earlier that you did, you also mentioned in that that um, you found, especially women, tend not to want to promote themselves on social media as much. And so you found it easier to actually promote your friends and their work uh, versus your own. So um, do you have advice for students on whether they've you know put a ton of time into their social media presence or not um or on their achievements or not like do you have advice for those who want to self-promote um but are nervous to do so and nervous that it's going to come off as bragging yeah i think um number one it's the more you do it the easier it gets so i would say if you're okay. in like a if you're in a group let's say the, a great way to start is a group on facebook so if you're in a group maybe like the dpt student group's tough right because like 40 50,000 people mm -hmm. in it right but if you're in a right. small group right let's say you're in a group for duke dpts right or duke mm -hmm. students or smaller something like that you know you can put in there like hashtag #win and then just say mm -hmm. what your win was Right. Um, I try and do that yeah. in the groups that I sort of run. So the women in PT group, like we always encourage people like, hey, like I did it a couple of weeks ago. I said, hey, listen, I was just um, quoted in, I don't know, what was it? Consumer reports. Like I would, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really proud of this. I would love for you guys to share it. And then another woman, Ellie Summers came on. She's like, oh man, following in your lead. Like I'm doing this online course where I'm teaching like, you know, um, strength training for female athletes. Could people share this? And everybody shares it, right? So sometimes yeah. it just takes yeah. one person. So sometimes you can start in like a smaller Facebook group and you but put it, you have to ask. Like if you don't put it out there, mm -hmm. trust me, no one's going to put it out there for you, right? right. So I, I would say just keep posting your wins. And it is, it's hard, right. you know? And a lot of the groups that I'm in that are not PT groups are where I really mm -hmm. got comfortable posting wins because it was so encouraged. Like, Hey, what were your, what yeah. were your wins this week? Let us know. We want to know what's going on. We want to know like, Hey, you right. got a job or, you know, you, you landed five new patients this week, or you helped someone walk for the first time in two months. Like these are great wins. And yeah. And I say, you want to be responsible it's your responsibility to share those wins because those wins can help mm -hmm. someone else. So if you said, Hey, and I think something, yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I was just gonna say, well, something that I found interesting too is whenever I see other people promoting themselves and their wins and their work, I feel like I never see it as them bragging. Like I'm always just like, wow, that's so exciting. And that's so amazing. And I'll click on links if they're there, but then I get very nervous whenever I'm posting something and I feel like I have to put, all these disclaimers in front of it and, you know, qualify yeah. that like, oh, not to brag or, you know. No, so, no, yeah. no, no, so no, that's no. No disclaimers. <laughs> so like, what was a big win for you in this past week? I mean, well, graduation <laughs> was yeah. a big one. 
That's yeah. huge. It's huge. That's yeah. years and years of culmination of hard work, right? So would you right. feel weird putting that up on social media? I've definitely felt less weird seeing all the other graduates also posted on social media. I almost felt like it gave me permission. Um, I think that by being on so many different platforms, I started to feel weird by like the third or fourth <laughs> posting the same thing. Um, but I, I recognize that there's a slightly different audience for each yeah. uh, platform as well. And so uh, my family is on Facebook and they're not on any of the other platforms. So if I got embarrassed putting things on Facebook, you know, that's something that my parents are very proud of me and they want to be able to share those things. So recognizing that um, I think for me, it's been important to recognize that one, people probably aren't putting that much thought into things like that, like wins and stuff, like things that are objectively not controversial. Um, and two, even if they did, they're probably just scrolling. And so any thought someone had about me bragging about graduating is probably just a fleeting one. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't think anyone would think that was bragging. I think they would just be proud. Sure. Of you know, I mean, I like a couple of weeks ago, I was um, on the news here in New York. So in New York and New Jersey, mm -hmm. and the journalist found me on Twitter, just an FYI. Uh -huh. She reached out to me on Twitter to talk about people working from home and aches and pains and what you can do about it. And so I put it on mm -hmm. social media. And then my dad, who's on Facebook, like blew it up, like put it all over his Facebook page, sent it out to every relative we knew. And if I didn't share it, like I could have just sent them a link, you know, but because mm -hmm. I shared it, like he was really proud to share that. So when you say, oh, your parents are on Facebook, like, or your family, like they're mm -hmm. hugely proud, even of, of little tiny wins, right? So yeah, 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 definitely don't feel like, don't put a disclaimer and don't say the mm -hmm. word, just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm so guilty of that. One of my good friends, Katie, yeah, Katie Scaff, um, if anyone wants to look it up, it's on the APTA Pulse blog. She wrote a post about her participation in House of Delegates as an usher. And she talks about, I think even in the title, she has like just the student in there. And oh, she talks brother. entirely about how it's so much more, yeah, than that and how she's never just a student um, and none of us are. And so I thought that was really, yeah, I, I love that post. And I think that really transformed for me my language whenever I talk about myself yeah. too. And just keep um, thinking because it's just like we tell patients, you know, in order to get better, you might have to do X amount repetitions of this exercise. So think of it as an exercise. Right. And every time you post, you're exercising your ability to do that. And so the right. more you do it, the easier it becomes. And you've taken some courses too, correct? On, and I think you're currently in some courses about uh, communications and marketing mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've taken um, a couple of different courses on that and gone to some uh, conferences as well that was strictly around communication via social media and how to kind of leverage your social media for your business and how to mm -hmm. leverage um, not just social media, but how to use social media to get mainstream media coverage as well. So I just follow, okay. like, I am learning and continue to learn um, in the course that mm -hmm. I'm in now, it's a nine month course. Um, and so I'm continuously wow. kind of learning how to take some of these tools and leverage it. So I'm sure I'll have more and, stuff to talk about in September when I'm done. Yeah, and I hope that's encouraging for everyone listening too, that you know, strong communication and understanding how to utilize all these platforms to your advantage is not necessarily something you're born with. It, it's okay to reach out to um, someone who might be a little bit more of an expert in that field. 
uh, and just to continue to grow, just like anything in, in school and otherwise. Um, so you talk about journalists reaching out to you and, and um, you know, finding connections through social media. I know some of my real world best friends are people that I first met on social media. What do you feel like is the right way to reach out to someone through direct messaging or DMing on social media when contacting them for a professional reason? Great question. So when you're contacting anyone to uh, make that initial, uh, the initial outreach, right? That's the question? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, what I would say is if you're on social media and uh, the first thing you want to do is you want to follow them, you want mm-hmm. to read what they're posting, comment on it, retweet it, Instagram comments, uh, put mm-hmm. stuff up into your, um, your Twitter, whether it be your stories or something like that. So, Definitely make mm-hmm. sure that you're engaging with that person first, because if you just sort okay. of come out of the blue, they're going to be like, who is this person? Right. <laughs> it, it would be like if you I mean, think about social media. If you were at a social event like at out at um, let's say you're at CSM and you're at like a mixer or something, you never go up to someone and like word vomit all over them about mm-hmm. all the stuff that you want to do. And you want to and people would be like, oh, this person's crazy right? So social media is still the same. Communication is communication. So I always say Mm -hmm. when you're reaching out to someone and you don't know them very well, or maybe, you know, you've had a couple of um, interactions on social media, if you send them a direct message, um, I would lead with Mm -hmm. something like, hey, you know, I really love that post, uh, your blog post from the other day. It helped me with uh, my patient because I learned X, Y, and Z. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was reaching out because I'm just wondering, like, what do you need? Like, what do you, what do you need help with right now? Is there anything that maybe mm-hmm. I can do to help? So always, you're kind of always coming at it from that point of how can I help? Not what can I get? Right. Right. So there's, right. there's a difference there, right? So versus DMing someone and be like, hey, um, so I saw your post and I was wondering if you can help me with this project I'm doing in school. Yeah. Big difference. So what if you feel like, what if you feel like you don't have something really tangible to offer them? Like what if you are like first year PT student and or PTA student and you're not totally confident in something that you can offer them and it's a big name person that you're reaching out to? Listen, everybody has something to offer to someone. If you're a first year PT student, and let's say a first year PT student is reaching out to me and they're saying, mm-hmm. okay, like I heard you, I saw you on the uh, student exchange uh, in May and I, I really got a lot out of it. Thank you so much. Um, so I, I was wondering like, you know, I, I've, I've retweeted a couple of your things or I've told my friends about you, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was wondering, I'm doing this project for school and we have to interview someone. Would I be able to do that? You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I would never say no, you know, and I, I, and I never do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you do have something to offer. So even a first year student, if they're like, oh, I'd really love to interview you for X, Y, Z, whether you have a podcast or you're doing a class for school or something like that. Um, as mm-hmm. long as you make it easy for the person. Mm-hmm then I think it's great. And 
And I always look at it as, well, it's a way for me to practice my skills of thinking on my feet, of answering questions, of refining my message. So for me, it's always a work in progress and it's always practice. Because doing, mm -hmm. being, I'm used to being in your spot, being the interviewer. But when right. you're the interviewee, it's a, it's a little bit different. And so you really have to, it helped like, doing more and more interviews helps me to hone in on my talking points and what I value and what my mission is. And so I think that it doesn't matter if you feel like you don't have anything to offer, you do. Because what, you, mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're offering that person the chance to tell their story to a group of people who might not have heard it. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, so someone had submitted a question asking, you know, can you actually reach out to people via social media for a professional contact. And I want to, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's an it depends, just like everything else in PT and PTA school. But, um, you know, we met through social media and I asked you to come on as my guest for this exchange through Twitter, I think. So um, it, it is okay, it definitely, in some contexts. Yeah, it's absolutely okay. Like, I reached out to Karim Khan, and I mean, like, right. incessantly, you know, to the point where I felt like I just wore him down at the end, you know, um, but then he has become like my biggest champion, right? So you never mm -hmm. know what that one relationship or partnership where that can take you. And mm -hmm. so if you feel like, like I, like I was even thinking like, what do I have to offer Karim Khan? He's the editor of BGSM and all these like, mm -hmm. you know, textbooks and he's a physician and he's an, oh, I, and I even, in my mind, I was like, I'm just a PT. Mm -hmm. what, what do I have to offer him? And mm -hmm. then as it turns out, um, because of our interview, when I went to Monaco, he asked me if I would do interviews for BJSM. So as it turns out, I wow. actually did have a skill that he, that he was looking for. You know, right. and I didn't right. even, it didn't even cross my mind that this would be something that, that would be valuable to him. So, you know, take stock of your skills. And I, I'd say this quite a bit, but if, and I think I spoke about this at CSM, so this past year in Denver. So if anyone is watching this and they were at that, I'm sorry for the repeat, but do this because it'll help you hone in on your skills. Get a piece of paper, write three columns out. Yeah, three columns. The first column, <laughs> I'm like three, yeah. What you're good at. The second column is mm -hmm. what you love to do. And the third column is what will someone pay you for? Right. And okay. I use payment in, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be monetary. Right. So it mm -hmm. could be in exchange to bring you to a conference. It could be in exchange of something like this. Right. So write mm -hmm. down what you're, what you love to do, right. What you're really good at and what will someone pay you for? Mm -hmm. And so I always say mm -hmm. like, um, I'm really good at crocheting and, and I love it, but nobody's paying me for it. So it's a hobby, yeah. right? So okay. it kind of helps narrow down what your hobbies are and what you're good at, right? So a lot of mm -hmm. students now, I see them coming out of school and they're really good at making websites and they really love to mm -hmm. do it and someone will pay them for it. So guess what? You have a nice right. side business there, right? If you're right. really good at social media, you really love to do it, maybe you can mm -hmm. volunteer at a conference and they'll, they'll pay for your way into the conference. It's a great, well, I mm -hmm. mean, you know, when we're in person again, um, but sure. it's a great way to go to a conference and pay zero money. 
right? A friend mm-hmm. of mine, um, he's a physician from uh, the UK. He's now living in Australia. Mm-hmm. When he was um, in medical school and during his residency, mm-hmm. he had no money, yet he made it to like 10 big conferences. And how did he do it? He volunteered. He said, listen, I'll come like, I'll pack bags up. I'll sweep the floors. I'll do your social media. I'll be a greeter. I'll be an usher. And so he just put himself out there. He volunteered and got to go to all these conferences. And while he was there, he networked. And now he's a physician in Australia for a professional Australian rules football team because of the, oh, that's because of the contacts he made. And he's 30. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh my gosh. They're 31. Like he is not, it's not like so he's young. a year old physician, right? So he just right. put his nose down, got the work done and volunteered. And yeah, you know, so it, it, when I say payment, you know, it may not be monetary payment right now, but it can pay off in spades in the future. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a few minutes left. There are two questions that I really want to make sure that I get to, though. And one is, um, I would say, personally, probably like 95% of my friends don't use social media the same way that I do, meaning they don't get a lot of their uh, networking done on social media. They don't, um, you know, have blogs or things like that. So what's your advice for someone who either would not like to utilize social media as much or just doesn't have social media accounts? to stay in the loop, to be able to network and to be able to get just as much kind of out of their student experience as the people who are using social media? Well, I mean, first of all, I think if you don't want to be on social media for whatever reason it may be, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. So we'll say Mm -hmm. that right off the bat. Um, Mm -hmm. For those who say, who are a little intimidated by it or they don't have time for it, Um, or they're not sure how to use it to their best advantage, what I would say Mm -hmm. is you just kind of have to dive in and go for it. And think of it more as you're using social media to build a bridge to help with relationships, whether that be um, amongst your peers or Mm -hmm. amongst, you know, people older or younger right? Um, Mm -hmm. I would say if you're unsure, you're not quite sure if, if it's for you, I would do Emma Stokes, two up, two down, two sideways, two sideways rule. And again, we did this at CSM in Denver. So you can go onto social media. You can set a goal for yourself, maybe once a week. If once a week is too much, once a month and Mm -hmm. just start following people, retweeting, commenting, or on Instagram, making comments on Facebook, making comments in groups or something like that. And think of each, let's say you do once a week, once a month, once a day, whatever. Two up would mm-hmm. be two people who are higher up on the, the career ladder than you are, regardless of age. Okay. Two sideways would be your contemporaries or your peers. So you're a new grad. So it might be two new grads, mm-hmm. right? And two, right. two up, two down, two down would be people who are, a little bit lower than you um, on the career ladder, irregardless of age. So it might be a first mm-hmm. year, second year, or a pre-DPT student, right? So mm-hmm. the easiest way to start making those relationships is to make them. But if, you're, if you yeah. need a framework, which I know PTs, I know I love a framework. 
Um, just think right. of going two up, two down, two sideways. And like I said, you could do it once a week, once a month, once a day if you wanted to. Um, but it's a way that mm -hmm. you can slowly kind of start dipping your toes in and getting your feet wet in a way that's not very overwhelming because you're making personal connections. Sure, sure, perfect. One last thing that I wanted to ask you that I ask all of my guests is if you could go back and give your student self one piece of advice, it can be social media related or not, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself to stop second guessing myself all the time, stop being scared to put myself out there, um, whether that, mm -hmm. well, there wasn't social media when I graduated, so it wasn't even a thing, but, and, <laughs> you know, wasn't a thing, but I would say the advice I would give myself is to stop second guessing myself, stop almost being so overly judgmental of myself that it paralyzes myself in fear because I think that that was right. a big part of um, a big part of what I went through in the beginning of my physical mm -hmm. therapy career was a lot of I'm not good enough I can't do that well I can't do that I can't do this I'm a just I'm a just and and I had I I really really wish that I had more confidence in myself and my ability. Mm -hmm. Um, when I first started, because I think that would have um, made my timeline a little bit shorter as to where I am now. But who knows? We all make decisions and this is where we're at. But that sure. would be my advice. Do you, do you mind real quick um, telling the viewers a little bit about how you moved past that, what some might call imposter syndrome, might call, you know, low confidence or second guessing yourself? How did you move past that, that fear that launched you into now having such a prominent uh, presence on social media and just being so successful overall? Well, I mean, and I still have it. It's still there, you know, so it okay. is a struggle, right? It's a struggle mm -hmm. to put things out there sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. But so I don't want people to think that magically it disappears. It's still there and I struggle right. with it all the time. Um, but I think the thing that has helped immensely is having good mentors um, having a group of friends and colleagues who are there to give me the support when I feel like I need it most. Um, and having, mm -hmm. um, like I always say, I have sort of like, um, I have my team, if you will, squad, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, but of like a couple of trusted advisors that I will go to when I am second guessing myself. And they're not there to be rah, rah, you can do it. They're there to say, mm -hmm. well, let me see what you're doing and how can I make it better for you? So it yeah. might be, you know, something, this isn't ready to go out there yet. Let's work on it together and let's make it the best it can be. Right. So yeah, it's, it's really working on mindset shifts and, and also, um, Tavana Boggs, who I had just met a couple of years ago on social media and then met her mm -hmm. in person. She's a physical therapist and a life coach. And, you know, she, she did something during a, an interview that I did with her for the podcast. And she said, you know, oftentimes what I'm hearing from physical therapists who are 15 plus years out is I have to do this. I have to get this done. I, she's like, so instead, let's just change that have to, to get to, like, mm -hmm. I get to do this, I get to do that. And all of a right. sudden you kind of change that framework. And I also worked with life coaches in the past and have done things like kept gratitude journals. It works. So for all those people out yeah. there who don't think they work, it works. 
So every right. night before I go to bed, I would just write three things I was thankful for that day. And it might've been like an umbrella, mm -hmm. my computer. It doesn't have to be grand lofty mm -hmm. things, you know, but it works and it gets you to this feeling of, oh my gosh, of great gratitude and thankfulness for what you have. And I think during this pandemic, it's, it's become even more so of how grateful that mm -hmm. I am that, wow, I have a safe place to go home to. I have supportive friends and families and colleagues, and I have the ability to um, work. And so I think this, for me, during this pandemic, it's really put into light on number one, how much I really love being a physical therapist and how glad I am that I chose mm -hmm. this profession. Um, how much I really like to work with people in person. And that has not been the case for like since mid-March. Um, yeah. But I think for me, it's, and, and it's also shown how much I thought all these things mattered that mm -hmm. don't, you know? So, yeah. and, and then the last thing I will say on that is to stop comparing yourself to someone else because- mm -hmm that is just the worst. And I think that's what right. I do a lot of is I can, well, I was like, oh, well, this person already has this kind of program. So if they're doing it, I can't do it. Oh, this person, well, right. you know, we talked about a hundred percent of people needing physical therapy, but less than 10% get mm -hmm. it. So it just shows mm -hmm. that there is someone for everyone and someone out there is listening to you and you might be that person that helps to change things for them. So yeah. that's another thing is I've tried to stop comparing myself to others and just work on my, my own stuff. Yeah, it's, and it's so important. And I want to reiterate that uh, what's called like the three good things exercise too, the gratitude exercise. One of my favorite people in the world, Dr. Zach Stearns, um, who, who works in North Carolina now, he was on the APTA podcast about um, clinical rotations and he's the one that first introduced me to it. And it was really mind-blowing for me sometimes to uh, come home at the end of the day and try to write down three things and realize that I was struggling sometimes to write down three good things that happened or three things I was grateful for. So that definitely, I, I agree, it definitely works. And, works. you know, comparison is, uh, yeah, and comparison's a tough thing and all those things. And so being able to put that stuff aside and just focus on yourself and what we're grateful for. And uh, yeah. one of those things being, uh, being in such a wonderful profession, uh, I think, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Karen, thank you so much for being here tonight. I know I learned a lot um, and, and I hope everyone watching did too. If people want to reach out to you um, and, and talk more about this stuff, I know I could talk about social media forever. Um, where can they find you? Sure. So on Twitter, it's at Karen Litzy NYC. On Instagram, at Karen Litzy. And on Facebook, Karen Litzy. It's super easy. Um, and my email is Karen at Karen .com, So it could not be easier. All right, perfect. Well, thank you everyone so much for watching tonight. Be sure to follow the APTA students' uh, social media pages, speaking of, uh, to find out about future exchange chats. Um, and everyone, please just join me in thanking Dr. Karen Litsey because this was just fantastic. Thank you again. Thank you. All right, bye everyone. Have a great night. Stay safe.